Want to get in touch with us? Email us at thekissmequicks at gmail.com or give us a call at 202-810-KISS. Remember to give us permission to play your message on the show. Eroticism is important. It influences and energizes our entire human experience. Eroticism isn't sex. It's sexuality transformed by our imaginations. We encourage lurid listeners to cultivate eroticism, to play with it, smack it, and rub it down. We want you to enjoy yourselves, your partners, and your sexuality. You are entitled to your sexual self. This show is for adults only and contains erotic stories that sometimes feature provocative characters, intense themes, and situations spanning many literary genres. But it also spans many nasty fucking... Okay. Some getting down. There's going to be some rolling and pulling and shoving and fucking and... Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> and then science fiction, romance, horror, fantasy, and paranormal, and all that other stuff, too. <laughs> You're welcome. That was good. Please listen responsibly. <laughs> Hey, Lurid listeners, welcome back to the Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast. I am your host, Rose Carraway, and joining me in the studio is Big Daddy Dave Carraway. How you doing today, Big Daddy? And pulling and <laughs> injecting. And With the injecting, you must stop. <laughs> That's wrong. That's what do you think. That's, I gave you a penile injection just the other day. Whoa. <laughs> Well, I think I go in a different direction than you're intending with that imagery in my head. Well, that's so. your, that says more about you yes, than me. Yes, it does. <laughs> hey, we're glad you're back. How are you guys? Are you still loving it up? Big Daddy and I are, as you literally just heard. <laughs> are you injecting penises <laughs> or other? <laughs> like, oh my God. Well, or the... What, 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 pussy smothered? Smother yeah. pussy? See, no. Keep going. Uh, I'm still not getting it right. But get <laughs> I mean, smother pussy or pussy is smothering. Oh, breast something. smothering. Yeah. Yeah. Suck that titty like it's a day. Okay, we got a we got a job to do here. <laughs> We're just gonna start fucking right in here. Just right now. Y'all just gonna hear us fucking, which I'm They're sure fine. would go over just great. Maybe we should put a disclosure, a disclaimer up front. By the way. <laughs> You're gonna hear some slapping. Rose makes weird sounds. Uh, Dave makes weird sounds yeah, too. Yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, well, we hope you guys are enjoying yourselves and your significant others. Uh, Big Daddy and I are still, and um, you know, keep that Valentine's Day vibe going. Yeah. Like, it's only March, y'all. We got we got till December. We got till next. God, February. Like, yeah, we just, got a whole year left. We have a whole year, and then we start again. <laughs> and then we start. We never stop. Exactly. That's the point. Never stop. That's the point. Something small, you know. Once a day, once a week, something big. Big ass grab. Yeah. Not to say that your ass is big, I but mean, even if gra- it was, if you can grab it, <laughs> if you can catch it, you can grab it. <laughs> you have a juicy ass. I do. <laughs> oh my god, I have a pretty. Pretty good ass. I yeah, you do. So. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're still continuing our conversation with Dr. Marty Klein, and for today's interview soundbite, Big Daddy and I would like to share with you a little excerpt about what Dr. Klein um, had to say about past relationships. 
Um, you know, it can be challenging when you've had a few relationships and then you find the one and then maybe there's some stuff in those past relationships. What do you disclose? What are you obligated to disclose? When should you disclose something? Um, For example, I'm mm-hmm. disclosing to you right now. <laughs> I was a gigolo. <laughs> wow. <laughs> in your own mind or? Unfortunately, yes. yes. <laughs> That's fine. That counts too. <laughs> I, I love I love imaginative uh, gigolos. So <laughs> let's go. <laughs> our, It'd be a little surprising if uh, that actually ended up being true and all this time I didn't tell you. Yeah, That'd be a little shocking. I might set back a little bit and go, huh. Okay. But what would have happened if I would have told you three months in? Three months in. Yeah. In our our very, very early age of, let's see, I was 20, 21? I I would need details. Like, I would want to know more. Like, it doesn't cover enough. I don't have enough information with, I was a gigolo, by the way. Like, I need more. You gotta be very specific. And then... If we People don't fuck, we're have sex done with having them. that conversation. <laughs> well, how many and how often? And and then... Saturday, every Saturday and Sunday? <laughs> That's frequent. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I would have very high expectations about your talent. <laughs> <laughs> and yet... And then think, score, like he's practiced. And <laughs> I'm not going to have to work at all. <laughs> I'm, nor will I have to pay you because... <laughs> All right. Well, here is what Dr. Klein had to say about past relationships. I don't think that anyone should be expected to divulge every single thing about themselves before they met you. However, the alternative to disclosure is secrecy. Keep some part of myself hidden. Most relationships don't need more secrets. Most relationships don't need more hiding and um, deception. So I think we want to be very careful about the decision to hide things. Not because disclosure is so important, but because we don't want to hide too many things. So I think people need sort of a meta conversation about Can we agree that we each had a life before we met? And can we agree that we each made decisions before we met? You know, before I met you, I was not thinking about you when I was making my decisions. I didn't know I was ever going to meet you. So I made lots of decisions in my life before we met that I might not make today now that I've met you. So on the one hand, I don't think that anybody owes anybody uh, 100% disclosure. On the other hand, I think people want to be careful about what they choose to hide. There's a funny sort of threshold effect in relationships that people tend to expect that if there's anything relevant, you're going to let me know right about now. I think that there are thresholds in relationships that if you don't disclose such and such right about now, there's going to be an assumption that there is no such and such. And that could be very damaging in a relationship. And people need to use a combination of common sense and a little bit of empathy and have a little bit of courage and say, look, if we're going to continue, I think you would probably want to know this. I personally don't need you to know it, but I think that I'd rather disclose when I didn't need to 
than not disclose and have you feel like I was deceptive. All right, Daddy-O, what do you think? I think it's sound advice. You know, we, we were talking about Love is Blind last time and the, and the gentleman who was bisexual yeah. told her fairly soon, like in, the, in this grand scheme of like relationships, that was very soon, in a matter of weeks, right? That was very, very soon, but that was a very compressed timeline and they had already decided to get married. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to put my hand up and go, yeah. probably should have said that before you actually did the marriage thing. Like you should have, that's, that's important information. So I do think there's something to the idea of timing when you drop this stuff on people. Yeah, like there are big things, you know, when someone, if you learn, you're, you're absolutely, I'm going to, I'm going to step, take a couple of steps back here. That show Love is Blind is a compressed experience. Um, And in the matter of a week, you're falling in love and proposing or being proposed to and accepting or not. And in the case of, um, I gosh darn it, I forget his name, but yeah, he he kept telling the camera that he's bisexual, but he's very afraid. You know, um, it had hurt him in the past with yeah. with other understandably partners, uh, right? You know, um, it, that's a hard thing to disclose. Yeah, you know that fear yeah. of rejection or whatever. Uh, but the woman, so he did end up proposing to a lady and and she accepted without that knowledge. And, and while I do understand his fear, um, that was not the right choice to make. But uh, you, it's literally one week. How can you? It's so hard to be your full open self. Like there's not enough time to divulge everything about you, all these elements about you. But but that's a pretty big one, and that one was at the forefront of his mind uh, during that first week. And then you know when the lady found out, I, I think she reacted okay. She was shocked. Like okay, and you know I, like I'm putting myself in her shoes going, okay, well, what does that mean? Like, I would want to know, you know, does that mean that you need to have this part of your sexuality fulfilled? Or do we play with that? Or what, whatever that looks like, what does that look like for him? And, and, and the conversation just didn't go well for them the next day. Like, you know, and I can't, I, I feel bad for both of them. They were both kind of hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, but there is a time um, that you you have to disclose some things that are big. Like if it's a big part of you. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's what You owe what it to Dr. them Klein and is. you owe it to yourself Yeah. to do that. You know, if that's part of who you are, you mm-hmm. need to know that and you need to embrace that. Yeah. And you need to be able to share that with your life partner. Like that's so important to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, I, I really appreciate Dr. Klein's perspective on, on that. That was mm-hmm. neat. Um, anything else that you want to add to that? I 100% agree. Okay. Well, that's all I needed. So let's get to our story. The reason why we picked that subject matter is because there's a little bit of a past relationship that is uh, the topic of the day in this story called Broken Bars. And we really liked it because it it does challenge you a little bit. It's a little conflicting, this one. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, a, there's infidelity in this, basically. Mm-hmm. Um... But on the other hand, it's also very sweet. Like both can be true. And uh, and I like stories that are like that, that are kind of challenging and a little, ooh, I don't know how, like, mm, that's, uh, that's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like I, I, my heart goes out to these folks. 
these characters who these are characters, absolutely not real they're people. They're not real people. <laughs> Let's be clear. Yeah. yeah. This is erotic fiction. Yeah. Um, but some BDSM scenes are very challenging in another way. For sure. So For sure. It's fun to be challenged erotically. And, and this one we felt um, SP Jaffrey did a really good job of, of playing with this. Yeah. Infidelity. Yeah. Rachel did a great job of bringing adventurous tales Tales of surprise. It's tales of surprise. It's it's, it's pretty fun. Um, I, I enjoyed narrating all of them. So, yeah. all right, you guys, without further ado, here is Broken Bars, written by S.P. Jaffrey, brought to you by Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 7. I walk into the reception hall to the sound of music. I don't know anyone here except for your immediate family, and that's okay. I'm always on the outside. Everyone is celebrating your return. There's laughter and joy. They've all had the chance to see you already, to hug you, to give you a kiss, to welcome you home. I haven't seen you yet, and part of me is nervous. It's one thing to see a woman once in a blue moon, in a room with bars under the watchful eyes of the prison guards. Of course, she will look beautiful and desirable. It's another thing to see that same woman outside, one of a hundred guests, all dressed up in your honor. I see you standing with your friends. Your hair is short, but styled, and your beard is trimmed. You're in a suit, a white shirt, and a tie. The last time I saw you was in a visiting room. There was a cartoon mural on the wall and a corrections officer with a gun leaning against the garishly painted Woody Woodpecker. You were wearing baggy, regulation khakis, which contrasted sharply against the red plastic chairs we sat on. Our chairs faced each other, just a foot apart, close enough for you to hold my hand gently, but far enough that the explicitly sexual exchange between the couple in the chairs next to us intruded on our space. You tried not to laugh in embarrassment as the woman, in her long schoolmarm skirt and sensible shoes, began to pant quickly and quietly next to me, a performance art for her man, whose eyes were fixated on the show. But I don't want to think about that now. I don't want to remember that world. I just want to think about you standing in front of me. This gift that none of us expected and could not even dare to hope for after the judge sentenced you to die as an old man in prison. We couldn't believe, then, that one day you'd be out again, the lies that took you away from us exposed at the last, with the surprise confession of a jailhouse snitch. My wedding ring weighs heavily on my finger, admonishing me for my lack of faith, my inability to believe in the impossible. I should leave. I know I should. I don't belong here. I don't belong to you anymore. But then I see you laughing, and everything stops. I see you like I've always seen you. 
and even though your hair is more silver than black, you look the same as you always do to me. You're still the 22-year-old boy who lay on top of me and buried his face in my neck all those years ago, before my marriage, before your incarceration. The blouse ends just below my chest, the back held with interlaced ribbons, offering a full view of the curve of my waist. I wonder if you'll like it, or if you think it's too much for the conservative community we come from. But then I remember, this is who I am, and you accept me as I am. At that moment, you look up, and your eyes light up. It's the same look I saw on your face across the hallway when we were kids. It's the same look you would always give me when I came to visit you secretly in that fortress of barbed wire that kept you locked away from me for almost two decades. It's a look of recognition, far deeper than just a normal hello. It's a look of belonging. You smile and walk quickly over to me. Before I can say a word, you pull me in a hug, your one hand gripping the bare skin at my waist, your other hand holding me tight. I throw my hands around your neck, and you lift me up off my feet. We speak, but I don't remember what we say. It doesn't matter. We never run out of things to say anyway. I greet and hug your other loved ones, and I know they must have spoken to me too, but I don't remember. The only person I feel in that crowded hall with colorful, dancing bodies is you. You're making your rounds, talking to everyone, as is your duty. But I'll look up and see you looking at me, and you'll smile a smile just for me. One only I can understand. Sometime late in the evening, the music starts to slow down. The fast-paced dancing is over, and now the DJ is playing slow songs for the few couples that are still on the dance floor. I stand by the table watching them when I see you walking over to me. Come on, you say, holding your hand out. What? I ask, looking at your parents standing nearby. Come on, you say again, taking my hand and leading me onto the dance floor. I follow you, self-consciously, feeling eyes on me, wondering who I am and why you are with me. I glance back and see your mom smile at me, the diamond pin in her hijab winking at me in encouragement. So I keep following you. I always follow you. People are going to talk, I say, as you put your hand on my waist and hold the other one against your heart. You know how Pakistani people are. I don't give a fuck, you say, and we both laugh. You hold me close, my arm around your neck, our heads leaning into each other, fitted perfectly like a puzzle piece. I can't remember the song, but I know I don't want it to end. Because at the end, I'll have to give you back to everyone who has a claim on you. So I move with you and just breathe in your cologne. When did you get here? You ask me quietly. Just today, I respond in your ear. You're staying with your aunt? That's what I told your mom. You look at me, surprised. I have a hotel not far from here. I didn't want your family to think anything weird if you met up with me tomorrow. I thought saying I had a hotel might put ideas in their heads. Good Muslim girls don't stay in hotels with their husbands at home, especially when they're going to visit their ex. You start laughing. You're slick. But why only tomorrow? Do you have plans tonight after this? 
I look up at you. I'm the surprised one now. I thought you would have to go home after the party with everyone. I just figured you'd meet up with me tomorrow. I didn't wait all this time to sleep alone in my bed when you're nearby, you say, and my heart flutters a little. But then you look at me seriously. Unless that's not what you want. It's what I want, I whisper in your ear without hesitation. You lean into me again, and I can feel your breath hot against my neck. I'll leave early and wait for you. It'll give me a chance to freshen up and change out of this sorry anyway. Your hand tightens on my waist. Leave the sorry on. I'll take care of it when I get there. I feel my cheeks get hot and the song ends. You kiss me on the cheek and walk away to speak to someone. I start getting ready to leave as the first guests start making their way to the door. I leave you the hotel's address as I say goodbye. It's a short drive. Back in my room, I wait, wondering how long it will take you to leave everyone and come to me. I pull out the pins in my hair and let the waves fall around my shoulders. I take out the safety pins that hold my sari securely in place. The chiffon slips down my shoulder slightly as I hear the knock on the door. Without hesitation, I open the door. You take my hand in your own, and your other hand goes into my hair, cupping my cheek. You kick the door shut behind you and walk me backwards into the room. You're so beautiful, you say, your forehead against mine. I'm yours, I respond, and your lips come down on mine. Our kiss is gentle at first, as we rediscover each other. Both your hands are cupping my face, and my hands slide up your back, feeling the muscles. Your lips move to my jawline, your teeth lightly grazing my skin. As your lips move to the soft area near my ear, your hands move lower, sliding off the silky fabric on my shoulder. I gasp as your lips move to my neck, and your hands fall to my breasts, your thumb running lightly over my nipple, sending a shiver down my spine. My hands move to your waist, and I pull out your shirt from where it's tucked in. You look down at me and grin before your mouth comes down hard on mine, your tongue exploring, remembering. My hands fly up to your hair as I meet your kisses with my own. I feel you pull on the fabric of my sari, which finally comes undone and cascades down to the floor. Your hand clutches my rear, and you laugh at how much more of it there is than used to be. I reach down and start unbuttoning your shirt, pushing it off of you just as we bump against the side of the bed. You push me down gently and lie on top of me, your face buried in my neck, your tongue moving up to my earlobe as I run my hands across your bare chest and down to your belt and the buttons of your pants. Your mouth moves back to mine, and your hands begin to undo the hooks in my blouse. Slowly, we undo all barriers to each other until it is just you and me. Your hands slide down my sides and lift my legs around you, holding you close. And we move together, closer than before, but still two people discovering each other. Your mouth trails down to my breasts, and I can barely think as you take one and then the other in your mouth, still moving against me. When I can't take it anymore, I push you onto your back, climb on top, and kiss you hard. 
Slowly, I work my way down, past your jawline, then your throat, to the muscles of your shoulder and your chest, and then the muscles of your abdomen. When I reach your penis, the part that is you, I let my tongue roll over the tip, and I feel you shudder as your hands come into my hair. Do me a favor, I say, my tongue still working around you. Don't come in my mouth. I hear you groan as I take you between my lips, working you softly and then harder while your hands guide me to what feels right. I listen to your moans and your hands go back to your head as you let yourself enjoy. But then your breathing gets faster and you suddenly pull me up by my shoulders, pushing me back onto the pillows, climbing back on top of me. My turn you say, with a wicked smile. And then you do the same. Your lips trail lower as your hands and tongue touch my breasts, and then work down to my belly button, and then lower to kiss the inside of my thigh. You take my fingers and kiss them before moving them down to that most private part of me. Show me what you want, you say softly. I close my eyes and touch myself, showing you what feels good, feeling no self-consciousness with you. For a brief second, I think of my husband, of the many nights I lay next to him, touching myself, thinking of you, as he snored peacefully beside me. But the thought is quickly chased away as you move my hand and replace it with your own. I suddenly start to feel heat rising up my body. And then you replace your fingers with your tongue, and I can't speak or breathe. The pressure builds as you continue, and then when it feels like I'm about to lose my mind, it's like an explosion of stars, making me yell out and shudder with pleasure uncontrollably. Your mouth is suddenly back on mine as I continue to tremble, and then you're inside of me for the first time in our long relationship, and it's like we fit perfectly, like we were always supposed to be one. You move inside of me, slow and then fast, and I follow your movements with my own in perfect rhythm. Your forehead is resting on mine, and you smile at me as the momentum climbs. I dig my nails into your back and sink my teeth into your shoulder as a moan comes out of me, then another and another, mixing with your own grunts of pleasure. My legs cross behind your back, pulling you closer, and you hold onto my thighs. Finally, you yell out and collapse on top of me, both of us sweaty and satiated. You lift your head and kiss me gently on my lips, and then my nose and finally on my forehead, before settling down to put your head on my chest, over my heart. I keep my legs around you, holding you close to me, so we can't see where I end and you begin. And I stroke your head as you lay against my heart. We both close our eyes and finally rest as our heartbeats return to normal. Tomorrow, We both know that we'll go back to our lives. But for tonight, there are no barriers or obstructions. Finally.
We hope you enjoyed today's story, Lurid listeners. That was Broken Bars, written by S.P. Jaffrey. If you are not following us on Twitter already, please do so right now at the KMQ so that you don't miss out on any of our audiobook giveaways. We're going to have an autographed actual print book giveaway coming soon, so do follow us at the KMQ. Or you can subscribe to our newsletter at thekissmequicks.com to get our sexy episodes delivered right to your inbox. If you want more sexy stories and would like to support our show, go to Amazon, iTunes, or Audible and search Rose Caraway. Please remember to leave us a sexy review so that more lurid listeners just like you can find us. Audio production by Big Daddy Dave Caraway. The KMQ would like to thank the following musical artists. Monsplazer, Fleslet, Maidan, and the KMQ introduction music by Vivage. The Kiss Me Quick's Erotica Podcast is a Stupid Fish production and is brought to you by Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 7. Edited by Rachel Kramer Bussell. Stupid fish. Say something funny. You say something funny. <laughs> yorp, yorp, yorp. You did. <laughs> that was funny. Made you laugh. What? <laughs> um, yeah, I, we didn't tell people to go to the Amatory Garden on Twitter to read my thing. Should we say anything about that? Yeah. Um, I've got my Amatory Garden blog going, and I, I posted my very first... Um, blog post and it was all about queening i titled it queen me um i'm looking for it right now on on my twitter because there's i don't know i i i had a lot of fun doing it and um it it was just all about what i find erotic about beekeeping and honeybees and um i I, maybe i'm the only person who could possibly feel this way but it, it triggered memories of like the alien movies and stuff so um which is another like huh yeah it's got like there are a couple of scenes that are very like uh in the fourth movie resurrection i think um where she's laying in the body of xenomorphs like that was very erotic to me it was very insectile and and neat and i thought oh what would that be like that would be kind of hot and where do people find this um at um you can go to twitter at the amatory garden uh but the um the web address is amatorygarden.com. Um, yeah, so check out my new post about queen me because I also do talk about how uh, queening works for me and you. It's a little different than the way Urban Dictionary describes it. I like our way a lot better. Yeah, we have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there you go. Check out my Amatory Garden, you guys.